What's going on, my friends? Welcome on out to Behind the Energy Podcast, where we dive into behind the scenes of DJing, entrepreneurship, and all the excitement in between. We got some friends, some cool people joining us, and a lot of fun stories. So without further ado, let's jump into Behind the Energy Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, party people, listeners, um... Not my mom and dad. I don't think they listen to the podcast. Uh, party people, welcome out to Behind the Energy Podcast. Um, this one is going to be incredibly unique uh, because uh, we got my boy Blake Austin in the house uh, as our special guest. And uh, out of the years knowing each other and of each other, we've never had a legit conversation until this podcast. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Like... um we had mentioned it just as coming in, but it was at Brandon's show, uh, and uh, where else was it? Sky. At we Sky. met at Sky one time. At Sky. Brandon played a, sh- a set at Sky, too. Yeah, yeah. I think it was when he was playing Yeah, yeah. that we met. Yeah. yeah. I remember I was with Daniel. N- Nick, is this is this mic still? Okay, excellent. want to make sure we're hearing everything. Sweet. Um, so, yeah, uh, for the listeners, this is going to be super unique because, like, if you know what Sky is, uh, and you know Brandon's show, like music's bumping, lights down low, and it's hard to have like a legit, real conversation. So I'm like, "Hey, what's up, bro? What's up, Nick Nard? How you doing, bro?" And then you go dance or whatever. So we haven't had a real conversation, and we're having one now on the podcast um, to uh, get to know you a little bit more, Blake, and get to know your story as a as a DJ, as a producer, as an entrepreneur. Um, uh, okay, I got a few notes to keep me focused here. Um, so that said, Blake, you are 23. 23, yeah. From Idaho. Mm-hmm. Um, before we talk, like, DJing in recent years, can you take a few minutes and tell me a little bit more about, I guess, the beginnings of your interest in, in music or DJing? Like when did you first pick up that controller or have that idea to start DJing and then, or did the producing come before? Like, were you a musician or something like that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I can, I kind of guess that like it started when I was probably eight or nine. Um, I was in like piano lessons as a kid and hated piano lessons. So I started taking guitar lessons mm-hmm. and played guitar in, in like a, small band in like my middle school um that we formed did you do like a battle of the bands or something yeah there was all all that kind of stuff we'd okay. like play at lunchtime and stuff it was, it was funny there we go um but that was kind of how i got involved in like you know creating music performing that kind of stuff and it wasn't until my i want to say like eighth grade year so i was probably like 14 uh-huh. maybe 13 uh-huh. and i was on the student council at my junior high Okay. And they wanted to do a dance, but they didn't really have a budget. And, and everybody knew that I was kind of like involved in music in one way or another. And so I, uh, I just told them, hey, if you rent the speakers, like I can bring my laptop and plug in and play. Like, like off Spotify or something? Yeah, just like off Spotify. Okay. And so that was the plan. But then there's this other kid in my high school, or I guess it was junior high at that point. There's this other kid that was like actually into DJing, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, at that point, like, I think he had like virtual DJ on his laptop and mm-hmm. I thought that was like legit DJing. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of teamed up with Bro, him. Bro, it was at the time. It if was. You, I mean, for like, it was the coolest thing ever. Yeah, virtual for 13, DJ. 14 year olds, like it mm-hmm. was, it was dope. So, 
um, I kind of got on that train with him mm-hmm. and then ended up buying like a $200 like Newmark controller. Every single DJ that has been in here has bought in the same, the same plastic one that's like yep. this size. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know exactly what one you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. yeah, so that was my first controller. Um, we played that dance in like kind of a back-to-back style, even though we didn't know what back-to-back meant. Uh-huh. And uh, that's kind of where it started. From that point on, I just kept like upgrading gear, getting bigger gigs. You know, as I got older, people mm-hmm. took me a little more seriously, even though like a 16-year-old DJ isn't like a crazy big thing. Like people... Um, you know, looking back on it now really gave me a shot. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was in like the high school dance scene. I never really got into weddings. Mm-hmm. Don't ever really plan to. Mm-hmm. Um, because I've always been more focused on like the artistic side of DJing. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I would do these like high school dances, high school parties. And growing up in Rexburg, we had BYU-Idaho right there. Yeah. And so there were all sorts of like college dances going on all the time. Gotcha. And back at that time, you know, 2013, 2014, 2015, it was a, like a really popping scene, mm-hmm. believe it or not. And so it's, it's changed since then. Oh, yeah. It's okay. changed since then for sure. Um, Sorry, real quick. I want to take, yeah. take a quick second. So you were in middle school when you and your your buddy bought this bought this controller, the new Mark, mm-hmm. um, and did that kind of dance stomp, if you will. Um, and at that point, did you start saving up money and buying a sound system or lights and doing some kind of one-off like birthdays and more dances? Yeah, yeah. So great question. I, I, uh, it's kind of funny because like as a like fifteen-year-old kid, like looking back, I, I kind of had like a pretty sophisticated entrepreneurial mind hmm. of like wanting to reinvest in the business and that kind of thing. Hmm. So I definitely did do that. I, I reinvested in a nicer controller. Eventually I got speakers. I got lights. What I was got, the second controller? It was a, uh, it was one of the pioneer ones, but it wasn't the one that everybody uses. It the, wasn't the SX. It wasn't the SX. It was the one just below that. SB. No, no, no. It was, there was one between, I don't think they make it anymore. I know. I think it's like the SR. SR. I know. Yeah. The, yep. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what I got. Okay. And and I used that for I don't know, probably two years and then upgraded to the SX. Okay. So um did that until I went I went and moved to Texas for a couple of years, took a hiatus from DJing and music. Really? Yeah. Do and, you want to talk more about that or yeah, I mean it was it's it's pretty like natural Utah stuff. I went on a mission for the church. Where did you serve? In Austin. Uh, hence you my, served in Austin, Texas. Yeah, hence my stage name, Blake Austin. So. And your last name is Ra- Rawlings. Rawlings. Yeah. Okay, dude, I was thinking about that. <laughs> As I was driving on the freeway to come to the studio, I'm like, he's got a different last name. Am I tripping or something? Yeah. Blake Austin. I, I've had this conversation more times than I'd like to admit. And I'm, I'm sorry. No, 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 you're good. You're, you're this good. is obviously all new to me. Um, So I feel like Austin or the mission, something had to have been striking enough to change yeah. Your your alias, your stage name, yeah. to be be Blake Austin instead of Blake Blake Rawlings. Yeah, absolutely. Um, while I was there, it was like, I mean, if you don't know Austin, have you ever been to Austin? Never been to Texas, no. So Austin's like a really really cool music city. Okay. And um, I was lucky enough to be downtown for for part of my time there, and so sure. you know, even though I wasn't involved in music. 
I was constantly like seeing bands playing and, and things like that as I'm just like walking the streets, right? Okay. Because it's just such a big scene there. You literally can't go anywhere without there being like a live guitarist. Okay. And so we would like go to dinner places, live guitarist or whatever, you know. Huh. And, you know, it's it's funny that even though I wasn't creating music at that time, I feel like I got a lot of clarity in that two years just for like what I wanted to do with my life moving forward. And um, I began to realize how like important music was to me. And, and so mm-hmm. it was, uh, it was definitely like DJing was a part of that for sure. But for me, it's always been about the music mm-hmm. and about what, you know, I'm creating and how I'm pushing myself creatively and those kinds of things. Tell me, tell me about some of the music you'd listened to before your mission. Yeah, so... Like, what were some of the favorite bands or artists? Or is it different from the music that you spun at events? Uh, what what does that look like at the time? Super good question. So, I mean, I, I obviously, like, got into electronic music, you know, in high school, junior mm-hmm. high, whatever. But uh, I, I grew up on, like, on, like, punk rock, for sure. Okay, give, give me some bands. I'm... I'm curious. Man, Green Day was yeah. definitely a huge, huge influence for me. Um, my dad has always been obsessed with U2. And U2? I know that they yeah. kind of get memed on now, which is funny, but... Why? Because they, they installed their, their album on people's phones. You remember that a few I years ago? I forgot about that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they kind of get memed on now, but they've, they've definitely been a big influence. Um you know, like Foo Fighters. Foo Fighters, bro. Like, that's definitely kind of like what I grew up on. Even like Nirvana a little bit. Huh. Um, and it was that, and it was like classic rock as well. Uh, okay. Is what I kind of came Van Halen, Rush, uh, mm-hmm. Led Zeppelin. Okay. Lots of Rush. I, I loved playing Rush on the guitar back in the day. Your dad and my dad would have been friends. Oh, yeah? The first concert I went to was the 360 tour at Rice Stadium seeing you 2 My parents were at that show. I, yeah. <laughs> uh, the first CD I ever owned was a burned CD of Green Day from my friend in fifth grade. Oh, you're kidding So yeah, me. we would have been friends we too. We would have been homies for sure. <laughs> okay. For sure. So quite a bit different, I imagine, from what you were playing uh, in middle school, high school. Electronic music grew in the later years. What were right. some of the favorite DJs or artists? Well, I mean, like a lot of people, it started with Skrillex, for sure. Um, the first, like, electronic song that I really heard and, like, was exposed to was Scary Monsters and Nice Sprites. So, I mean, just totally classic for somebody in my age group, you yeah. know. Yeah. But um, I definitely began to, like, explore that world more. Huh. And I think that at that time, my biggest influences were probably Porter Robinson and Cascade. Yo. Um because okay. I always felt like they were doing things to really like blend the two genres together, you know, of like uh-huh. pop into this like new electronic sound. Uh-huh. And so they were, they were definitely my biggest influences at that time. Okay. Okay. So, um, sorry, we did t- kind of take a step back from, uh, coming home from, uh, from Austin, Texas. Right. Uh, but we did get a lot more perspective there in terms of, Connection to music, uh, influence in music, inspiration, um, and how you have your your artist's artist name, like yeah. Austin. Right. Um, as you're as you're really thinking, you know, more seriously about like what you want to do when you get home from your mission, and how music has been such a big inspiration. Did you have a more clear, I guess, 
vision for the future in terms of like where you wanted to take that passion? Yeah, it's interesting you ask because I I I definitely had like a vision while I was living in Texas. Mm-hmm. And when I came home, that shifted quite a bit. Um, but now, and we'll talk about this, I'm sure, later, it's kind of shifted back to that original vision that I had in Texas. Okay. Um, so when I got back, I, I was making a lot of, like, you know, I was, I was writing a lot of, like, melodic, like, almost like dubstep type stuff, like Adventure Club or Elenium. <laughs> like, that's what I was writing at that time. Mm. So at that time is when you started producing, though. You hadn't produced prior to the mission or you you were doing some writing so i was doing i mean i think i've been producing since i was 15 or 16 so it's been probably like eight years total okay don't leave that stuff yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) okay okay (laughs) i don't know how i completely glossed over that but yeah i definitely i started when i was 15 or 16 i was horrible like um but like looking back it was such like a creative time for me and I actually will like listen back to those tracks I produced at that time for inspiration now. That's dope. Um, even though like sonically they sound awful, you know, the concepts aren't that great. <laughs> There's definitely like a lot of like knocking off bigger artists that I that I like looked up to, but hmm. I will look back at that as like a very creative time where I was just like exploring like what does this knob do or what does this button do? You yeah. know? And yeah. and I think that that really like sparked my creativity moving forward. Okay. Okay. So the producing didn't start when you got home from the mission, um, but quite a few years prior to that. Yeah. Um, so now we are home and we're a little bit more dialed in. Tell me again, sorry, where that vision was um, as you got home from the mission and then continue, I guess, the, the timeline of, of the growth, if you will. Yeah. So I think to understand it, I, I've got to go right before I left to, to move to Austin. Okay. I uh I was making a lot of like like kind of European style house music right before I left and I was kind of trying to figure that world out. Um it's definitely like I think that like house music, like tech house and dubstep are kind of like sonically the hardest genres to produce and do it really well, hmm. you know. Um at least in like the electronic world. Okay. And so for me I'll, at that time, there was a lot of like learning and growing going on as far as like how to make something sound professional. And I, I actually did um, a semester of school at uh, Icon Collective at that time, um, just online. I, is, is that specific for electronic yeah, so, producers? Yeah. So, okay, sick. I'll name some of their alumni because you'd know them. Like Nightmare went there, Slander. Um, Ken Doll, there's there's like a huge Yo. roster. Jaws went there. Yo. So I I decided to try my hand at that um before I left to to move to Austin. And that really like helped me to grow as a producer and become more like professional with it. Sorry, I keep interjecting, but no, I'm curious. Good. Was it so hard for you to put a pause on DJing producing in electronic music to go serve a mission? Hardest thing I've ever had. To do. <laughs> By far. I had a guitar out there and that kept me sane for two years. Yeah. Um, But yeah, easily the hardest thing I've ever had to do was leaving all of that behind. But as I look back now, it's also the best thing I ever did because it really like, like separating myself almost made me a better producer because I, like I was still obsessed, you know, I, I didn't leave it behind in my mind. Mm -hmm. I would lay there at night and like, think about like mixing concepts 
and mm. like how how to make things sound professional and, and that kind of thing. Mm. I would lay there and think about like, well, why does compression work? Or why does an EQ work? Like it was just so weird how I would lay there until like two in the morning sometimes. And I had to wake up at six, you know. And your companion's like, yo, Blake's tripping out again. He's so weird. <laughs> but that's what I would do. And, and so I, I like to always say, like, I never really left it behind. Um, mm. But leaving, yeah, leaving my laptop behind, leaving, you know, my controller behind. Mm -hmm. I, it was hard. It was really hard, but super, super, super um, rewarding mm. when I look back on it. Again, though, I... I don't produce, uh, I feel like I can understand what you're saying to an extent. Um, so we do have a little bit of the preface in terms of the school. Remind me the name of it once more. Icon Collective. Icon Collective. Yeah. Um, uh, and kind of like the style going into it prior mission. Um, where does, where does the story pick up after that? So I came back and started making, like I said, like the melodic dubstep stuff, maybe yes. some like progressive house in there. But then... Only two or three months later, I moved to Utah um, to start school at UVU. Okay. And what I, were you going to study? I was going to study audio engineering. Audio engineering. So I was okay. an audio engineering major for about a year at okay. UVU. Now I'm an economics major. I decided to be boring instead. Um, but I just that's a little bit, a little different. Yeah, it's a little different, right? Okay. Okay. <laughs> but uh, I I just came back, and when I moved to Utah, I almost immediately linked up with Brandon Estrada. Um, he just reached out to me on Instagram. We had followed each other for a few years and he invited me over to his place and we just kind of like shot the shit, you know? So tell me, um, Brandon Estrada, so I'm trying to, I'm trying to get the connection here. Um, uh, the DJ community, like I, I, there's a few, I think DJs in, in Idaho or even like event companies that I, I'd follow. Right. Uh, you had never met prior you, had, you and Brandon had never met in person prior? We met one time very briefly um, at a party favor show in Salt Lake. It was, Where, like, was, it, was that at Sky? No, is it uh, I forget what it's called. It's that like outdoor venue downtown. The Gal Galveston Center Gal or something like that? Galvin. Galvin yes, Center. Dude, yeah. I, I may have been there, I think. It was okay. great shows. Okay. Super fun. Yeah, like summertime, right? Yeah, it was yeah. in the summer. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So we met there like very briefly, but I, I don't think that he really knew who I was. Um, I just knew him as DJ Echo. Echo, you know? <laughs> that's okay. So, what year? What year was that then? That was 2016 or 2017. Okay, right around there. Okay, Echo, probably 2016. Is that Diplo? No, it was Party Favor. Was the headliner? Yeah, I, I think Party Favor. That was the same year though, not Diplo. But um, anyway, so you you had met then. Yeah, and then you moved to Utah. What what year was this? This was the very end of 2019. End of 2019. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like between Christmas and New Year's, like oh. literally the very end. What a great time to move and start your <laughs> yeah. life and turn the page. Right. Okay. For about three months, it was really great. So and you were going to start the spring spring of 2020 yeah. at UVU. Right. Okay. Um, and you immediately connected with Brandon Estrada. Um, yeah. Did y'all you know, mix? Like, t yeah. tell, me, tell me more. Yeah. So, Brand I mean, Brandon's just like a super unique character. And I say that because he literally like knew almost nothing about me. And he just reached out to me and said, Hey, I want to get you involved in the scene here. That's and dope. so, and so I like, I credit a lot of my early involvement in the scene in Utah to Brandon, 100%. He, he like took me under his wing and we really like cultivated a very good friendship. 
mm-hmm. um, that still goes on today. You know, I don't see him as much anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I do, it's always like laughs and smiles <laughs> and, and all that. So yeah, I, I, yeah, that you're really, I mean, not even connecting dots, you're painting a picture for me. Cause again, I did know a lot of this. So right. that's really cool to hear. Um, did the, I guess, partnership, if you will, pick up pretty quickly from there or yeah what tell me more about i guess the migration into utah and the dj community and the producing community if you will yeah so me and brandon i guess i guess like kind of rewinding a little bit i i thought that i don't know why but i came back from texas with the idea in my head that house music was dead oh and that and that nobody was making house music anymore and i i think i'm gonna I'm going to use the excuse that I was like disconnected for two years. Okay. Um, but when I came back, Brandon really kind of like helped me get back into that scene. Cause he was like really into it as well. Uh-huh. And so with that, I started producing house a little bit more and we began a duo called mixed signals. Yep. Um, that, and that went on for geez, probably six, eight months, mm-hmm. something like that, that we were really pushing that project. Mm. Um, and like I said before, like me and Brandon were super, super good friends to this day. The only reason that mixed signals didn't continue was just purely creative differences, right? Mm-hmm. I wanted to go in a very different direction that I'm kind of in that vein now. Mm-hmm. And Brandon was going in a different direction. So mm-hmm. it was literally just, you know, creative differences. I would play back to back with Brandon anytime. Mm-hmm. I would invite him to the studio anytime. And you like, would, and you would have a blast and and and, and take your differences in creativity you know creativity and make them work and complement yeah, each other for sure uh, actually please continue i had a thought but i'm, I'm gonna save it for a moment sure please, please continue um we've got maybe about like 10 or 12 more minutes um for the episode but please tell me a little bit more yeah i mean um we just playing events yeah uh, we, we played a few events obviously like 2020 was a weird time mm-hmm. um and so we we played a few, but it was few and far between as mm-hmm. far as events in general that year, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but eventually we we decided to kind of put mixed signals to rest and, and move forward with our individual projects. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, that was Blake Austin. Mm-hmm. So Blake Austin started as a project kind of just taking my side of mixed signals and moving it forward with house music. Mm-hmm. Um, and I... I, that's, that's around the time that I kind of linked up with the Operation Brainstorm crew, um, down in Provo and started kind of like hanging around those guys, making more house music. Tell me more Operation Brainstorm crew. Yeah. So they're, um, I guess we're, I'm, I'm definitely like a part of it now. So we're, a I guess like an event company, Okay, but it's highly curated to house music in Provo. So we'll, uh, we'll bring out artists like we've had um mr tape zenlo we just had sebastian knight and type three out um we've had treasure fingers grensta we had cascade out which was crazy um was that like super underground because like i think i saw a few videos i'm like how are you there, and why does that look like a room of maybe 100 people? It was at Valor in Provo, if Bro, you've ever been there. I don't know that I have. I've heard of it many times. So, yeah, there's a cap of maybe like two or 300 people in there. Bro. 
And so this was when they had Cascade out. This was far before I was involved, uh-huh. but I was at that event, and it was like one of the craziest experiences of my whole life. Okay, when we're when we're not recording a podcast, I want to know more about this this collective, yeah, if you for will, sure. because I I love just about every trap music. I, I loved it for a time. It's kind of beyond me now. Mm-hmm. Dubstep, I I can appreciate it for a few songs, and then my neck needs a rest. <laughs> yeah. But I love house music yeah. i mean progressive house tech house just house music in general like right. that's that's my my cup of tea so yeah. i'm in, genuinely intrigued um so you're you've been doing some events with them yeah. um hosting and i imagine even collaborating in terms of like producing and stuff yeah so most of the people involved with operation brainstorm are producers mm-hmm. so like zenlo is one of the the top guys and and i really credit him with like mentoring me over the last year or two um we've gotten super close he's he's in la now um pursuing music out there um absolutely killing it so that's dope but um yeah i mean i i got involved with them specifically with taylor zenlo um he kind of helped me to find my sound within the tech house community and i did that for a while i probably i was probably doing tech house for about a year um and it was let's see it's march so probably like eight months ago now that i that i kind of turned from that and started producing more lo-fi house Mm -hmm. progressive house deep house Mm -hmm. more chill melodic laid-back stuff and that's Mm -hmm. kind of where my project is heading Mm -hmm. um only reason i turned away from that is just that the industry is brutal it really is and and i was creating these tracks that would pop off at parties or in clubs mm-hmm. um, like I had never seen before. Like, and, and I don't say this to like toot my own horn or like, no, or no. anything like that, but no. it was like, I would play a set of tech house and the songs that I made were the ones that people went craziest to. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I mean, there's different kinds of DJs, right? There's different flavors of us yeah. DJs. Yeah. I'm not a DJ that gets on the mic. Yeah. It's, it's just not my thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And so nobody knew they were my songs. Mm -hmm. And so I would have that experience. And then like the next week I would have like labels just dogging on my songs, you know? Really? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And it was just like you had, you had released them, you had promoted them, you're sharing them with the people. Never released them. So I, I actually just had my debut release like a week ago. Oh, oh, I was going to get there. Dang it. (laughs) I was going to get there. Labels dogging on your songs. Yeah. How did they hear it or get access to it? Like sending it in a lot of, so during the pandemic, a lot of labels started doing Twitch streams where uh-huh. they would listen to the songs live and give you live feedback. Really? Yeah. So, which is sick. And, and, and I, and I really like grew a lot from that. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I mean, I started doing that at the very beginning of the pandemic. You know, huh. I saw that opportunity and, and kind of seized it. Interesting. But, uh, while I had some like really cool opportunities, like I think Brandon talked about one of our tracks that we mm-hmm. created together is was played by Dr. Fresh. S- S- Silly Rabbit. Silly Rabbit, Rabbit. Yeah. yeah. Which is yet to come out. I I actually need to talk to Brandon about that. I'll probably call him after this. Call him after this and then we'll go, we'll either have a mix session or dinner in yeah. the next week or two Let's weeks. Let's do it. But uh, you you had submitted it and yeah. on a live stream, mm-hmm. yeah. they were just unleashing. Or? So... With Silly Rabbit, we actually got really good feedback. Like Dr. Fresh played it on the live stream. So dope. <laughs> Bijou was all about it. Yo. Um, it was it was cool. Uh-huh. Um, and that one I don't think we've really sent to many labels. So maybe that's something we need to talk about. But um 
I, I would create these tracks and then on these live streams, just people, you know, just really didn't like them for whatever reason, hmm. you know? And, and sometimes it was like, it was, it even got like political with like some of the lyrics. Like there's a track that I created that said the words chick flick, like a chick movie. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was like a problem for some people. And, you know, like me triggering being like a, or something. Yeah. And me being like a bonehead from Utah. I'm like, <laughs> I don't. I don't know why that would trigger somebody, but okay, you know. Okay. So it's very like small, like silly things like that. I see that, what you're saying. That just were keeping me from getting accepted on labels, hmm. and I was seeing a lot of music that was like not very creative, hmm. not very well produced, hmm. and it was just that they knew somebody or they had more money or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know, mm-hmm. and and they would get signed, and it just really started to eat away at my like creative spirit, if you will. Hmm. And the so, joy that you felt yeah, being a creator, being an com- artist. Completely lost my vision for why I started producing in mm-hmm. the first place. And so that was a lot of 2021 for me. It was kind of like a weird time for me mm-hmm. um, creatively because, I, like I said, like I'd make these tracks. They'd pop off at the parties and in the clubs. But then when it came down to it, I could not for the life of me get them signed. And it was just the weirdest thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I decided that I was going to take a break from house music. I I wrote a few like melodic house tracks and um, really found that that was like a much more natural writing process for me as an artist and and eventually decided that that was what I needed to do moving forward. Hmm. Hmm. So uh, we're gonna move forward just a little bit. Sure. You just had your first debut single. Yeah. Come out. Yeah. Uh, I did. I've listened to it. I listened to it like. Like four times today. Oh yeah. Yes, I appreciate it. So I listened to it when it came out, um, but like just to get psyched for today and to get in the zone, I listened to it. Um, what would you categorize that that sound, that feel as? Um, with Lost, it's it's probably more of like a progressive house track, mm-hmm. um, like modern progressive house, right? The modern seems like like a necessary word, right? Uh, because it it, it doesn't. I feel like it's it's an appropriate progression, if right. you will. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, totally. Because <laughs> like, if you would have said progressive house to me five years ago, I would think like Martin Garrix on the main stage. You it's know, like big room, like big huge room. festival. Yeah. Definitely not yeah. that. It's definitely like a chill, relaxing song. Uh-huh. Um, I kind of picture the vibe being like driving through the canyon. You know, well, in the, the visual, fall. uh, the visual that that you, I mean, you you promoted with. Uh, Kind of like that river yeah. moving moving quickly but swiftly through it. Right. Um, kind of paints that picture, that feel as well. Um, can you tell me, just tell me the listeners maybe a little bit more about the song specifically, a little bit more detail or inspiration or um, like even even those voice samples, like did do you know the the artist who, who created those? Like mm-hmm. just just tell me more. Yeah. So <laughs> It's it's funny because Lost is the first track that I wrote during that time of like a creative slump. And it was when I was like, you know what, I need to take a break from Tech House because it's not fun anymore. Um, okay. I had I had a couple of my close friends come over and I was like writing Tech House and they were like, are you having fun? Are you having fun doing this? Because it seems like you're just stressed out about labels. Those are good friends. Yeah, they're great friends. <laughs> um, and so that was when I kind of decided to like take a break. I wrote Lost as well as a few other tracks, but Lost kind of kept coming. I can I like kept coming back to it, you know. Mm. Um, I would listen to it in the car, or I would, you know, open up the project file and 
kind of like dive in again. And eventually, I mean, I think it was probably two, three months ago, I just decided to kind of like rework it and make it feel modern. And that's what is on, you know, Spotify, Apple Music today. Excuse me. This, uh, this debut single then has been in the creative pipeline for eight months. Yeah. Maybe Yeah, more. I think I wrote it in September last year. Okay, so se- September 21. Yeah. And it is, again, it's March 21st. Yeah. Okay, okay. Came out on the 16th, so yeah. Yo. Seven, eight months. How's it feel? Like uh, are you getting a lot of good feedback? Uh, I saw it on your story um, getting added on some playlists. Like, yeah. that's a big deal. Yeah, that's been huge. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've been getting playlisted quite a bit, which I, you know, I hoped for, but I didn't expect necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um. At this point, it's kind of just, you know, releasing self-releasing a track without a label is like a whole different beast, right? Mm-hmm. Because I I have to put up my own funds. I have to, you know, do all the back work to promote it, mm-hmm. to get it onto the playlist and those kinds of things. So mm-hmm. right now I'm just really trying to like push that track mm-hmm. so that we can get it to a point where Spotify's algorithm picks mm-hmm. it up and starts putting it on people's like Discover Weekly and stuff. So... What do people type in? I know, I know the answer to this, but what do people type in uh, to go check out Lost on Spotify or Apple Music? Right. So you can just search Blake Austin. B L A K E. Yeah. A- Spelled exactly how it okay. sounds. A U S T I N L O S T. There we go. Um, or you can go to my Instagram, Blake Austin Sounds, and it's linked in my bio. There we go. So awesome. Um, so I got. You got three more quick points I want to sure. I want to shoot you with. Uh, one of which, can you take take a minute and tell me, uh, maybe plans or or goals or excitement for the future, whether that be this year, two, three, four years out. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I got two other quick questions for you. Sure. I yeah I, I'm excited that you asked because I I actually have as of last night, soft confirmed that my next release it's actually a remix for. Um, another local group here in Salt Lake. What's, what's um, the name? Eternal. Eternal. So okay. they just played like DOS Energy this last year. Let's go. They're, they're absolutely killing it. Um, I wrote a remix for them from their um, album that came out last year. And that new track should be coming out beginning of April at some point. Yo, that's dope. That, that's right around the corner. Right around the corner. Okay. So I'm, I'm excited that we're just pumping them out. Other than that, I've got, I mean, I've had the last eight months of like kind of just like creative I don't even know how to say it without being like gross but it's like it's kind of been like a creative barf that yeah. I've had yeah, since yeah, I yeah. really like yeah. took this new direction and I and I've just been writing so much music it's it's been awesome hmm. so I've got a whole lot more that's going to be coming out this year and well hmm. into next year hmm. um it's just right now it's just about you know finishing details and getting the you know the final spice on it i guess maybe maybe an ep or something in the fall yeah yeah i i'm definitely considering all options um my i'm kind of like i'm kind of weird about eps and albums i i feel like unless i have the inspiration to write a collective work of you know five Mm. to ten songs Mm. that sound cohesive Mm -hmm. i don't want to do it i'd Mm -hmm. rather put them out of singles fair enough um just because i want like an EP to be like a certain mood or an album to be a certain mood. You want each track to represent itself the way in which you intend it, or you want the EP or the album to do mm-hmm. the same thing. Yeah. If it's an EP or an album, I want it to feel like a collective work. If that makes sense. Makes total sense. 
um, even though you will have your own kind of sound defined, if you will. Mm. Um, makes sense. Yeah. Um, okay, so are you a junior right now? Yeah, junior. up on my junior year. Yeah. Okay, so when you graduate, you're not going to go get a financial job. And you're going to continue producing music. Shake my hand, Blake. <laughs> Shake my hand. <laughs> we'll see, man. I, 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 I know for a fact that I will never quit producing music. Okay. Never, ever. Even if it's just a hobby, um, I don't think it will be. Like, it's, it's a passion that I have that I, that I really think will carry me forward. Um, but even if I, like, work a financial job, I promise I'm going to be producing music at night and pursuing that dream. You okay. Know? Okay. Good. I, I, in a way, I'm kind of joking, but, uh, um, like for example, you know, Austin Birch, DJ Argus, yeah, yeah, yeah. he, he's been telling me and has been talking for a while about like, he's a junior right now mm-hmm. or June going into his junior year, if you will. And talking about higher education, which, you know, I'm all supportive of, but I know him to be an incredible entrepreneur and incredibly intelligent. And I'm just like, Austin. I, I know you and I know, you know, doing a master's or PhD, you'd crush it and it will serve you well and many others well, but you are an entrepreneur and I want you to do what yeah. you were put on this earth to do. So <laughs> in a way I'm joking, but I think you get what I'm trying to say. No, absolutely. Um, so Blake, two, two other quick questions I want to drill you with. And I think this is, uh, really, uh, aimed towards the listeners, if you will. Um, sure. let's start DJing and then I want to talk producing. So in terms of DJing, what do people not think about or not consider when they want to begin DJing? Like mm. whether that's mobile events, whether that's clubs, um, uh, whether that's DJing on air or turntables or CDJs, whatever kind of DJing that is. Yeah. What do you think is something that people don't know about or don't consider and might be helpful for them to know? I think it's important to consider why. You know, why do you want to start DJing? Okay. Do you want to start DJing to play as many events as you can? Mm. That's awesome if you do. Or do you want to start DJing as like an artistic outlet? Mm. Kind of more like where I come from. Um, it's, it's very important to consider your why. Um, and, and I wish that I had considered my why earlier, mm. if that makes sense. Um, because now I feel like I'm in a very healthy place with DJing where I... You know, I personally, I use it as a creative outlet. I use it as a, a way to get my music heard, mm. right? Whereas somebody like yourself, like, mm-hmm. I know you're booked, like, all the time. <laughs> and, and I have a lot of friends that are kind of the same way, and, and that's, like, awesome. Mm-hmm. And for you, it's artistic in a different way of, like, how do I move a crowd or how do I, like, get a crowd really loving what I'm doing and, and being in the moment? Mm-hmm. I think that for somebody who's wanting to get into it and wanting to start, Consider your why, you know, ask yourself, do I want to be a producer and DJ? Do I want to be, you know, like a mobile DJ who, who plays as many events as I can? Um, and maybe you change your mind down the road and that's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, I definitely did. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we all have at some point, yeah. whether they've been in a year, been in the game for a year or 10 years or 20 years. Yeah. It's totally, totally normal and natural. But that's that's what I wish I would have done when I was getting started. That's just awesome. Considering my why. That's awesome. I I completely agree. Um, I think that would have helped me even narrow and even further to be more crystal clear on like how to move forward with more confidence, if you will. Yeah. Um, my last question, 
uh, for you, Blake, is focused on producing. Um, I asked, actually, Brandon Estrada the same question. Um, someone who's eager to get into producing, uh, no matter the genre, what's something that you'd like to share with them or a piece of advice to help shorten their learning curve um, mm. to be more proficient or confident as a producer? I think when you're starting producing, it's it's like learning a different language. It's It's really like... It's a really steep learning curve at the start, mm-hmm. but the longer um, you stick with it and the more time you put into it, the easier it gets. Um, and then you kind of reach a different point where, where it gets hard again and then it gets easier again, and that's just kind of how producing goes. But um, if I could go back and, and do it all over again, I would say, first and foremost, when you're picking a software, when you're finding your DAW, find the one that you know you can look at for like eight hours at a time. <laughs> And, and not be like annoyed with the interface because I started on Ableton, hated it and took a really long break and then got on logic and started using that. I used that for six years probably. And then I actually circled back to Ableton later Mm -hmm. once I was more like a a proficient uh, producer. (laughs) But I think that the, the biggest thing that I could say to anybody that wants to get into into producing is, um, you're not going to break the software. You know, just go in there and screw around and see mm. what different buttons do. I like Really that. explore because you're not going to break it. Yeah, I you like know? that. You can always reset it to the factory settings. Like it's it's not it's not as like scary as I thought it was. Um, mm. And I think that you'll shorten your learning curve by just screwing around and like seeing what stuff does. Being more curious and playful with it, if you will. Yeah, don't take okay. it so seriously. Okay, you're n- you're not going to be headlining edc next year bro I, that's my plan <laughs> but that's what you think when you're going into it it's you, what i thought you open up your laptop and it's ableton yeah <laughs> and then you crack. that that's what i thought i thought like i've got i've yeah. got to be like martin garrix i'm i was like i'm already 15 yeah bro I'm you're so behind old. the train i was like the it's, it's so ridiculous and now i'm 23 and i'm like no i'm so young there's guy, I mean, like Tiesto's like ancient, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. But and, he's still but killing he's, it and dropping bangers all bro. the time. <laughs> yeah. You know, Cascade is my mom's age. He's <laughs> like 51. Sorry, mom. I didn't mean to tell everybody your age. Is, is he? He's 51. He looks like he's 38. Yeah. He looks really good. I think wow. it's because he surfs so much. Wow. Okay. He's a relaxed dude. <laughs> but like, that's the other thing that I would say to new producers is like, don't think that it's too late. You know, if you're mm. 35 and you want to start producing, do it. That's a good point. Because it, it's like such a awesome creative outlet, even if it's just a hobby. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's the most fun, the most challenging mm-hmm. and the most like engaging thing that I could ever recommend to somebody. Mm. You will never, ever, ever stop learning how to produce. Mm. Because it's just an endless learning curve. And I think you could say the same thing for DJing too. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Similar similar universes, different solar systems. I don't know. Yeah. You get what I'm saying. Yeah, I totally get it. Um, Blake, we're there on time, bro. Do you have any last bits you'd like to share other than uh, telling the guests to go check out Lost on all streaming platforms? Blake Austin in the house. Sorry, I had to do one more plug for you, bro. No, you're good. Anything else you'd like to share, or are we chilling? I think we're about good. Keep keep an eye out. I've I've got a lot of exciting stuff happening this year as far as releases go. Um, I'm excited to share it with you guys. I've been working super super hard mm-hmm. on these tracks, and I really think that 
they can, you know, be something you listen to in the car or something you listen to in the club. And um, I'm, I'm just super excited to share that with people. There we go, bro. It's nice to have a real conversation with you. There's one more handshake. Yeah. Uh, Blake Rawlings, a.k.a. Blake Austin, uh, on the turntables and um, in the studio, if you will. Uh, Nick Nord, thank you. I love you. Listeners, uh, my friends, people on YouTube, muchas gracias. Uh, actually, real quick, I want to shout out, uh, seriously, everyone who's listening. I was looking at, at uh, the analytics for this, and we have the third most popular location of listeners is actually in Germany right now. Let's go. And I don't know how that's, how that's happening, um, but it goes Salt Lake City, then it goes Sandy. Then it goes Germany, um, which is so dope. We have 113 listeners as of, no, 113 cities as of last night. Um, so th- seriously, thank you for listening. Um, we're just warming up. Uh, we're just about coming to the end of season two, and the wheels are barely moving. So those who are listening right now, watching right now, those who've subscribed and all that great stuff, um, seriously, thank you. It means more than you know. Um, and then Blake, thanks for being open to coming and having a conversation with a random dude. Oh, thank you for having me. <laughs> with I, a camera and a mic on we, you. We didn't talk about it, but we were talking about it before the podcast. That I've followed you since high school. So this is like kind of a surreal, like cool moment for me. That, that, that's just a random dude, dude. That's, yeah. that's wild. <laughs> that's, that's wild. I want to know more about that. Uh, as for now, uh, my friends, listeners, um, thank you. This has been episode 38 of Behind the Energy Podcast. We'll catch you next week for 39.